Yes, Father, may your Holy Spirit open our eyes to see the truth of your words, warm our hearts to see the, the beauty of that truth, and strengthen our spirits that we might live in the light of that truth. As we leave the, the comfort and the security of this place to honor Jesus in our homes and our places of work and study. Be with us, Father, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We turn to the book of James again this morning. Just after the book of Hebrews. James chapter 1. I'm going to read from verse 19, but I think actually... Uh, by way of, of a slight overlap, we'll read from verse 18 just to refresh our memories as to where we were last time. So, James chapter 1, verse 18. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Amen. We left James last week on a bit of a high note in verse 18. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all that he had created. James writes not just to church leaders, not to some spiritual elite. Are we up in the clouds there somewhere? He writes to ordinary believers, ordinary brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. And he reminds them, he reminds us, I, I hope, that because of God's choice, we have been born again. And having been born again, we are the first fruits of all He has created. That is to say, we stand apart in some way from the rest of creation. So the New Living Translation translates that verse, verse 18 of chapter 1. In His goodness, He chose to make us His own children by giving us his true words. And we, out of all creation, became his choice possession. How are we born again? We are born again through a word. We ought not to be 
surprised. God created the universe by speaking. He, he spoke into nothing and created everything. Really, there are two options on the table. You can believe that in the beginning there was nothing, and then nothing blew up, and from this great explosion of nothingness, which happened presumably for no reason at all, came something. And from something came everything. From everything came uh, order and uh, beauty and meaning and truth and purpose and all of these things. That's option one. Option two, you can believe that in the beginning, God In the beginning, God. He was there before time, before matter, before space, before anything. In the beginning there was God, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. And throughout Scripture, we see the life-giving power of the, the voice of God and the Word of God. In the New Testament, John has his own version of the creation account. In the beginning was the Word, John says, so as he opens his gospel with those words, in the beginning, the, the majority of people to whom John writes are Jewish people, Hebrew people, thoroughly versed in what we call the Old Testament and the Hebrew Scriptures. As they hear those words in the beginning, they, they know what to expect. They know what John is saying. They know where John is pointing. They expect in the beginning was God. But John says in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, so there's some distinction there. And the Word was God. Isn't that something? So we know that the Word here is the, the living Word of God, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Before everything else, He was with God, and He was God. Through Him, says John, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. So Jesus takes the title, Word of God, the perfect communication of God. And not only perfect, but powerful. Effective. Through Him all things were made, without Him nothing was made that has been made. When we became Christians, we were born again. It's not some subset of, of Christian believers. It's not like the really, really committed ones or the, the really, really charismatic ones. Every true believer has been born again because God chose us and we were born through the Word of God, the Word of truth. We were born again through Jesus, the living Word of God, the one we meet through Scripture, the written Word of God. 
And we give thanks to God that this new birth is birthed into eternal life. That is especially precious to us today as we look forward to this week. That assurance, that promise that this birth is birthed into eternal life, into life which will never die. We think of that word of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Or we could go to verse 12 of James 1. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love Him. What comfort there is for us in that verse this week, in that verse and in so many other passages that promise unspeakable, eternal joy for the people of Jesus. The real concern of James, though, is the new life. New birth leads to new life. It's not just about becoming a Christian, uh, being born again, and then just twiddling our thumbs till Christ comes again or till we, till we die and go to be with Him. The life that we live matters. It's significant. It's important. And it's James' primary concern that we live that life well. New birth leads to new life. And if there is no new life, then we ought to question whether there really has been new birth. So what does life as a child of God, as a, a follower of Jesus, what does it look like? Or what should it look like? Well, in our passage today, we have some very clear, very simple instruction. Verse 19, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry. That's where we are this morning. So I've got three points which are ready-made for me. Uh, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Three points. I want to be as short and as simple as I can be as we work our way through these three points. I say three points, but actually point one and point two are glued together, really, aren't they? quick to listen, slow to speak. We are only slow to speak in order that we might be quick to listen. We're not called to be slow to speak because, you know, we're in some kind of relationship where we've tried to be heard, we've tried to be heard, and no matter how often we try and speak, we know that the other person is never going to listen. We know we just can't get a word in edgeways, so we might as well just give up and be slow to speak. That's not what James is saying at all. We are asked to be slow to speak for a reason. We are asked to be slow to speak in order that we might be quick to listen. So, quick to listen. As Christians, as children of God, as followers of Jesus. As partakers of this new life in Christ Jesus, our Lord, we are to be quick to listen. We are all very different. I get a great view of that from up here. We all look very different. We all have different personalities, different gifts, different callings. 
But all of us in Christ are called to be quick to listen to others. It's often said that we have been created with two ears and with one mouth for a reason. It would be interesting to see if we had a stopwatch or maybe if, if Apple, I know that, that Apple claimed to have an app for everything, but I don't think they have an app which measures when we are in the presence of other people how much time we spend speaking and how much time we spend listening. It would be interesting to see a chart or a graph for that or some kind of social media site where we can share our results with others. But it's not just about time either, is it? It's not just about spending more time listening than speaking. It's about attention. So when the Bible speaks about listening, it means listening, really listening. So when I'm watching the football, I was kind of hoping Deborah would be on Kids at ABC today before I share this, but when I'm watching the football, I can be listening to Deborah, but it's, it's listening up here, not listening down here. It's shallow listening, not the kind of listening that we are called to embrace and to embody and to practice. It's listening enough to be able to blag it and no more. And it might not be the football. It might be the phone. We are living in an era of unmatched distraction. Largely, not exclusively, but largely because of these little boxes of metal and glass that we carry around with us. Often we're in conversation and maybe 20 or 30% of us is engaging with the person that we're speaking with and the other 60 or 70% is fixed on this fictional world of Facebook or whatever it is on our mobile phones. We are called in Christ to be fully present to the other. We are called to truly listen. So many distractions which can hinder our hearing of those around us. To really listen can be quite tiring, actually. We have to be intentional. We have to hold ourselves to account that won't just happen. It can be tiring, but it matters. Because to love is to listen. There is more to love than listening, of course. But if we're not listening, then we're not loving the other person. We in Christ are called to be a people of love. We are called to love one another. We are called to love our neighbor as ourselves. We are called to love even our enemies. And if we are not listening, we are not loving. Two ears, one mouth. But listening actually requires more than those two ears. It requires love and humility, a willingness to put the other person above yourself. But when we realize how much we have been loved and how secure that love is in Christ Jesus, it is then that we are able, it is then that we are free to love others 
like we have been loved in Christ. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. When we realize how much we have been loved, how secure that love is, we are free to love others. when we are able to say and able perhaps to sing Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Then we are ready to love and to listen, to humble ourselves in the presence of others, to recognize that the blessings we enjoy we have not earned, we do not deserve. It's then that we become the grateful and gracious and humble people, the loving people that we are called to be in Christ. All of this, of course, has been sort of on the, the horizontal, if I can put it like that. We are called to love one another. We are called to, to listen to one another, to, to humble ourselves in our relationships with one another. But I hope that you have noticed from the passage that actually the real focus of this call to, to listen is in our listening to the Word. It's more of a, a vertical than a horizontal. The horizontal is true, and it's relevant, and it's important. But if you look to verse 21, James says, Therefore, rid yourself of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the Word planted in you, which can save you. Verse 22, Do not merely listen to the Word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. So what are we to listen to? Of course we're to listen to one another but we are also to make sure that we are listening to the Word, to the Word of God. Are you making space in your life, free from distraction, free from your phone, uh, free from your computer, free from your newspaper, free from others even, to listen to the Word of God? To, to, to read, to hear, to listen. To that word. And of course, not just when we are all alone by ourselves in our quiet times or whatever spaces we make to listen to the Word of God, but also, of course, to come to this place on a Sunday, on a Wednesday, on a Tuesday. Plenty of opportunities to listen to the Word of God, read and proclaimed. It's so important take that time to read and to listen to the Word of God. And having listened to the Word of God, it's then that we're really 
able to speak to God, isn't it? It's wonderful to, to, to reflect upon the truth that the Lord listens to us. What is man that you are mindful of him? And yet what lengths he has gone to, to, to open up that line of communication with him. Uh, God made man in Christ Jesus. He humbled himself to be born, uh, to, 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 to live as a man in the midst of the, the mess of our world, to experience the harsh realities of life in this broken world, to experience uh, rejection and betrayal, to experience grief, to experience even death itself for us on the cross, for our sin, for our guilt, for our shame. He humbled himself for life. He humbled himself in death. He conquered death, and he lives now to intercede for us. Why? In order that we might have fellowship with God, in order that we might come before the throne of grace with confidence, with boldness, clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And he listens to us. He accepts our prayers. He hears those prayers. He treasures those prayers. Those prayers are, are kept in, in, in golden bowls of of incense, according to, to the vision of, of John and Revelation. They are precious in the ear of God, like sweet-smelling incense to Him. But our prayer lives will be greatly impoverished if we do not humble ourselves to hear what He has to say to us. Be quick to listen and slow to speak. When I was young, uh, I remember going to a lot of youth events, and very often, some of them were very, very good, but very often it, it was fashionable at that time to say, it's okay to be angry with God. This is taking us into our third point. It's okay to be angry with God. And, and I wonder... I wonder if the fruit of that fad to say that has been too small a view of God and too big a view of self. We need to be careful to humble ourselves, to listen to what the Lord has to say to us and to be slow to speak. So not to come in to, to open the Bible with a view to telling God what he can and cannot say to us. But to be humble enough to listen and to embrace and to accept the words of God. So let's, let's move on. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. We are not called to... Uh, to never experience anger. Reading Scripture will lead us in no, uh, into to, to no doubt that, that God gets angry. Uh, the God who James has reminded us is good, the God who cannot be tempted by evil, that God gets angry. We, we read about it in Genesis, we read about it in Revelation, we read about it all the way through Scripture. God gets angry. He gets angry at sin. 
He gets angry at injustice. He gets angry at that which is wrong. But God's anger is always right and never reckless. He can be trusted with anger because he is able to be angry and to not sin. And he makes right judgments. He sees things as they truly are. So we can trust God with anger infinitely more than we can trust ourselves with anger. We don't always see things as they truly are. And we're not always able to control our anger. Sometimes when we give way to anger, when we give anger an inch, it takes a mile. It begins to control us. And so we must be mindful that anger is dangerous and anger can be very destructive. And also mindful that though the Lord gets angry, He is the Lord who is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. He doesn't jump into anger at the first opportunity. Isn't that the story of your life if you're a believer in, in Christ Jesus? his patience and his grace, grace upon grace, his mercy, his forbearance. He doesn't jump into anger. He is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. And we ought to bear a resemblance to our heavenly Father. Let it be said of you that you are a person who is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. Have you ever met a person or known a person who has a very short fuse, or it seems at times no fuse at all, just the first opportunity and it's an explosion of anger? And you feel you can never rest, you can never relax in their presence, you're always uh, fearful as you, you speak, you're always kind of walking on eggshells around them. It's a terrible way to be. Never be that person. Be like the Lord your God. Be gracious and compassionate. Be careful about becoming angry. And when you are angry, make sure in your anger you do not sin. And again, the horizontal and the vertical. This isn't just about us with one another. It's about us with the Lord, as I said a few moments ago. Be careful at becoming angry at God. Be mindful that He sees infinitely more than we see, that He understands in a way that we cannot understand, that He promises He is always working for our good and for His glory in our lives. Don't approach the Word of God. Don't approach Scripture uh, by seeking to put what God has said in the dock. Rather, let what God has said put you in the dock. Be willing to be challenged and to be changed by the voice of God. Be willing to be challenged and to be changed by the Word of God. Be slow to speak and quick to listen. So in conclusion then, this verse, these exhortations really are all about living in a way that makes sense in the light of the gospel. 
if we see how Christ Jesus humbled himself for us in his birth and in his death, and if we see how much we have been loved and how much we are loved and how much how, how secure that love for us is in Christ Jesus. It is then that we are free and able and ready to humble ourselves in our relationships with one another and to humble ourselves in our relationship with God, to humble ourselves before the Word of God, to be slow to speak and quick to listen be slow to anger because we know that we are in no position to judge. It is then that we realize how good God has been to us, how good He continues to be to us, and how thankful we ought to be. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the words planted in you, which can save you. Amen. We stand together as we sing our closing hymn.